These stories contain subject matter that may be sensitive to some viewers, and as always, viewer discretion is advised. And if you have a story you want to send my way, just do so at asktheravendreams.com slash submit, or check the links down below. And of course, as always, thank you. I have a story that actually happened back when I was in middle school, and it was probably one of the freakiest things that I've ever experienced. Thankfully, this didn't happen to me directly, but it did happen to a good friend of mine. For a bit of backstory, I went to a public school that was in a fairly shady part of the state that I live in, and at an early age, I learned that people could be absolute creeps. When I was 18, I was actually stabbed at a gas station because I took the last blue monster energy drink that was on the shelf. What's worse, the guy that stabbed me then took my monster and poured it on my face before he took off and left me for dead. Maybe I could send you that story in more detail someday, but that's not what this story is about. That said... I think it gives you a good idea of what my town is like. My school, on the other hand, was actually a pretty nice building, and most of the staff and students were respectful. That said, there was one teacher that was an absolute creep. He was a computer and technologies teacher, and he was seriously an absolute skis. I won't use his real name, because I don't want people to track the story down and get my friend's name, so we're just going to call him Mr. Peters. And like I said, Mr. Peters was a computer and technology class instructor, which was basically just us learning how to use Windows XP, office programs, and learning how to type without looking at the keyboard. I don't know if he was the only person in town that knew how to teach the class, because it seemed like he was able to get away with more than any other teacher I had ever known. He would make incredibly inappropriate comments to pretty much every single girl in class. He would gossip with the guys and ask them personal and sexual questions. He would always try to guilt us girls into giving him a hug. It was creepy. Like, super creepy. And thinking back to it right now seriously makes me feel a bit sick to my stomach. He'd been reported a few times, and even put on probation, but he would always keep his BS up, and nothing would seemingly ever happen to him. Unfortunately, my best friend Ashley was one of the girls that he had taken a particular liking to. Ashley was a rather pretty redhead, and she looked like she was older than she was, if that makes sense. She would always mention to me that he had said something to her, or made a snide sexual comment, or that he put his hand on the small of her back when he hugged her. Basically, she would tell me each and every time he would do something, and it seemed like it was just getting worse each day. I think that's enough background explanation for who this guy was, and the whole situation as it was with Ashley. Now, 
As I said, it seemed like it was escalating a lot with each day, and she was telling me more and more what this guy was doing and saying to her. I kept telling her that she needed to tell her parents, tell the principal, help tell the police about what was going on, but she was nervous about doing so. At the time, that was frustrating, but I kind of get it now. I think that she thought it was her fault, or that they would think less of her for the whole thing. The day that things hit their worst was actually October 11th, which was Ashley's birthday. I remember that because she and I walked to school, and she was super excited because that weekend, she and I were supposed to go to the mall, and then to the movies. And then I was supposed to spend the weekend at her house. It was planned out to be an awesome weekend. Then, that morning, we got to school and were waiting outside for the first bell to ring. When Mr. Peters walked out onto the courtyard where Ashley and I were standing. I told her not to look up, and I mentioned that we should just walk away so he didn't see us. I said so half-jokingly, but she said it was fine and that he would probably ignore us if we didn't make eye contact. Unfortunately, she was incorrect when she said that, because neither of us looked at him, but a moment or two later I heard him say, oh, Good morning, Ashley in an excited tone. She huffed and then turned toward him and said good morning back in a fairly stale way. I could tell that she was really not happy with the fact that he was out here and talking to us. He then starts in and tells her happy birthday, and starts asking if she has any plans. She tells him she didn't have any plans and just said thanks. Again, completely wanting to disregard that he was even talking to her. After trying to make some small talk for a few more moments, he tells her that he needs her to come with him before class because he has a present for her. With how much of a creep he was, my mind immediately went into the gutter, and my non-verbals probably showed it. I told her that we needed to get inside because the bell was about to ring, but he was insistent that it would only be for a moment and that she wouldn't be late for first hour. She told me to go ahead and that she would be right behind me. I was hesitant to walk away, but he was an authority figure, we were just kids, and I feel like she was confident it was going to be a quick thing. I very much wish that she was right or that I had gone with her, or that we had just walked away and gone to class. Because what unfolded after this was horrible. I walked away and she went with him. I went ahead and went in, and then when the first bell rang, I went to my first hour class. Somewhere around ten minutes into class... An announcement came over the loudspeaker to inform the teachers that the school was officially on lockdown, that no students were to enter or leave their rooms until they gave the go-ahead. This was really strange, as the school had literally never had a problem, nor had it had to go into any security protocols. So, to have the school go straight into a hard lockdown was really weird. 
the school was locked down for several hours. And at the end of it, we were actually all released to our parents. It took a while for me to get any information, but I kind of started putting two and two together on my own. Creepy teacher asked Ashley to come with him for a birthday present. School gets put hard on lockdown. School releases us to our parents in the middle of the morning. I had a bad feeling about what had happened. And that feeling? It proved to be right. I eventually did get a fairly detailed description of what actually happened from a few different people, one of them being Ashley herself. When I left and the two of them went to go get the present, he mentioned that it was actually in his car so she would have to follow him out into the parking lot. She did. And as you can probably imagine, when they got to the car and he opened the back door, he overpowered her and shoved her into the back seat and shut the door on her. He then jumped into the driver's seat and seriously took off. Thankfully, one of the other staff members had seen what happened, and they immediately called the police and informed the school security, which is what set the school into lockdown. Ashley told me that she had tried to get out, but the child's safety locks were on and she couldn't even open the doors, which, if I may say, is an incredibly terrifying situation to be in. She said that Mr. Peters drove off the school lot and started heading towards the highway. And for the most part, all she could remember was crying and screaming at him to let her go. She said that he completely seemed to be ignoring her, and that he was super focused on driving. After a few minutes of driving, she actually asked him where he was going to take her, and he just said, I don't know yet. So, he really hadn't planned this whole thing out. As soon as they got onto the highway, there was a cop car waiting for them on the shoulder, and they started to pursue him. This led to one of the only high-speed chases in my city, and actually crossed over a couple counties. Obviously, this wasn't an ideal situation. They couldn't do much to pit him, because there was a 15-year-old girl in the car, but they had to do something to stop him. After chasing him for around 20 to 30 minutes, one of the officers attempted to get in front of him to stop him, and Mr. Peters actually lost control of the vehicle, sending it off into a ravine on the side of the interstate and flipping the car several times. When the police got to the vehicle, Mr. Peters was dead from the impact, and Ashley was barely making any sound in the back seat. Obviously, she made it, otherwise she wouldn't have been able to tell me about what had happened. She didn't make it out unscathed, though. Ignoring the obvious mental trauma, her left leg ended up pinned into the door, and she ended up losing it. Thankfully, that was her only physical injury. I didn't ask the details about Mr. Peters, but she did mention to me that it was obvious he was dead when the car crashed. And all of this came to be because one creep decided he wanted to kidnap a young girl. And because of his actions, he's dead. She's permanently disabled. And she will always have this horrifying memory of what happened. 
and what could have happened. Thankfully, she was able to move forward with her life, but I will always have this weird feeling that if I would have done more that morning, all of this may have been avoided. This all happened back in the autumn of 1997. Back then, I was a 13-year-old girl and was just learning how to navigate my way through life, and I was a bit overly trusting of people that I probably shouldn't have been. I grew up in a fairly comfortable and safe neighborhood, and as a child, I never really had to worry about much of anything. Our neighbors were always friendly, and there were always kids around to play with when I was little. Even better, the old lady across the street used to babysit me, and she was seriously the sweetest person that I had ever met. Unfortunately, being around such sweet, kind, and amazing people led me to a bit of a false sense of security. Spending 13 years around these people it made me think that everyone always had the best of intentions, and it meant that I thought all people were genuinely good. As you know, that is definitely not the case in reality, and my innocent view of the world was pretty much shattered that one day in October. It was actually the day of Halloween that year, and I remember that it was a Friday because I was going to go trick-or-treating with my friends, and my parents were okay with us being out late since it wasn't a school night. This was also back before the world changed into the crazy place that it was today, and us kids were allowed to wear our costumes to school, so long as it wasn't too revealing, wasn't overtly offensive, and didn't cover our face. That year... Me and a group of friends decided to dress up as a PG-13 version of the Spice Girls. I was Baby Spice, because that's just how I was as a young teenager. Anyways, we had a great day at school, while pretending to be the Spice Girls, even breaking out in song once or twice, but that's not really what the story is about. Though, I'm sure that us singing probably was pretty horrifying. No, this one's actually about what happened on my way home from school. Like I said before, the neighborhood we lived in was pretty comfortable. We knew everyone and everyone knew us. The area that my school was in was also pretty nice, but there were several blocks in between there and home that were questionable at best. On my way home, I had to walk by a few apartments and a playground that usually had plenty of kids on it. Though, I remember noting that there weren't a lot of children around on that day. I think my assumption was that, since it was Halloween, kids were all getting dressed up and eating dinner so they could spend the night out trick-or-treating. As I walked past the park, and was about to cross the road to get closer to home, I heard what sounded like someone crying. It wasn't like a kid or someone my age crying. No, it was the sound of a grown man sobbing somewhere nearby. Remember how I mentioned that I was too trusting? 
Yeah, well, I went to investigate the crying to see if there was anything I, a tiny 13-year-old girl dressed as Baby Spice, could do to help this crying man. I have no idea what I was planning to do. I couldn't call the police or an ambulance if he was hurt. I didn't have money, and I didn't have enough life experience to literally give him any advice. I turned and walked back over to the park area, and I could see a man sitting on one of the benches with his back to me. I approached him nonchalantly, and I actually put my hand on his shoulder asking if he was okay. When I touched his shoulder, he seriously jumped off the bench and turned to face me, pushing a very large kitchen knife in my direction. Obviously this was terrifying as it was, but the knife was actually coated in what looked like blood, as was his shirt, his arms, and his face. I know what you may well be thinking, it was Halloween, this very well could have just been a costume, but I can promise you it wasn't. You could smell that metallic tinge of blood coming off of this guy, and here I was standing less than five feet from him, staring down the tip of his weapon, and holding back from screaming out in terror. The second or two that this guy held me at knife point felt like ages. I just stood there, staring at the blade, at him, at his clothing, and then back into his eyes. The only thing I could hear was my very labored breathing and the sound of my heart about to explode from my chest. The entire time, I thought I was going to vomit, cry, scream, and pee my pants all at once. Thankfully, that was actually the worst of it. This horrible silence between myself and this guy was interrupted by the police screaming, Get on the ground! Come to find out, I wasn't the only person that had seen this guy on the bench crying, just the only one stupid enough to walk over and ask if he was okay. I'm thankful that someone else had called the cops over this guy, because if they hadn't, who knows what the hell he could have done to me. I will say that it was reported that the guy had actually murdered his girlfriend and their son in a drug-fueled rage. He had apparently done some substance, pulled a knife on her, and then went on his murderous rampage in his own apartment. After he had done it, he apparently came back to reality and realized what exactly he had just done, and then, in shock, just kind of wandered out of his apartment, into the park, and started bawling his eyes out on the park bench. So... That is the story of how I went from a sweet, innocent 13-year-old girl to someone that is now terrified of strangers on park benches. I don't know if there's a phobia name for that, but if there is, I'll be certain to add it into my memoir. And yes, it's been 20 plus years, but that's just not something you get over easily. Thankfully, nothing like that has happened since, but... I will say that nowadays, when I approach someone for any reason, I always do so from the front. Yeah, 
I have a creepy story from a long time ago, and I don't know if it was a paranormal experience or whatever, but it was creepy as hell, and I will never forget it. This happened the night before Halloween back in the 1980s. My wife and I had recently gotten married and moved away from our parents' house and started renting our own home a bit outside the city where I grew up. At this point, we were new to the area and honestly didn't know anyone or where anything was. On this particular night, we decided that we would go for a walk around a couple blocks by our new home and just take in the autumn night views. With this particular night being just before Halloween, we decided we would check out some of the more lit up and decorated houses down the way, then make our way back up a couple blocks and head home after a couple hours of just enjoying the night. We got out and started walking down the street, checking out all the houses that were decorated. There were quite a few of them that were actually rather well done. Some of them were pretty basic, but I genuinely appreciated all the effort that people had put into the holiday's aesthetics. We kept going for a while longer than we intended, walking further down the block than what was planned, and then decided that we should probably go ahead and head back up. We were about halfway back when we noticed that someone was standing on the sidewalk and just kind of staring at the street. By this, I mean they were standing there and looking around like they were incredibly lost. As we got closer, we noticed that this person was an old woman, and was standing in the street with her nightgown, her hair pulled up in curlers. She was not ready to go out for a nightly stroll. She looked like she was ready for bed. We approached her, and she looked at us like we were old friends, that she hadn't seen in a while. Her face lit up and she smiled. Right about then, it kind of hit me what was going on here. This poor woman, she wasn't all there, and she had likely wandered out of her home and wasn't sure how to get back. I asked her if she was okay, or if she needed help, and she just kind of smiled and nodded. I paused for a moment and looked around, and then realized that one of the houses on the street had its front door open, and no Halloween decorations. I asked her which house was hers, and if we could help her get back home. Once again, she smiled and nodded, and then she sort of just pointed to the house with the open door. I smiled back and said, Well, let's get you back inside, ma'am. It's way too cold out here to be wearing that nightgown. Once again, she just gave me the happiest grin and nodded. My wife and I walked over with her to the house that we assumed she had come out of. The whole time we were talking to her, asking her questions, making idle chit-chat to keep her going. She didn't say anything to us in response. She just smiled and nodded. We got her to the door and looked in the house, and it looked like it was furnished for someone her age. There were pictures all over the wall, an older TV set, a coffee table covered in magazines, and an older rocking chair in the corner. Basically, the works. We helped her inside, 
and told her to have a nice evening, shutting the door as we left. As we were leaving, I thought that we should maybe alert one of the neighbors just in case she was being looked for, or in case they needed to call someone in the family to check in on her. So we did. When the neighbor next door answered, I told her that the old lady next to her had been out in the street, and that we helped her get back inside. I then said that they should try to get a hold of someone that knew her just in case she tried to do it again. As I was explaining this, the man gave me a seriously confused look. He asked which house I was referring to. I told him the one to the left without the decorations. He then asked me what old lady I was talking about. I tried to reiterate the whole thing and explained that it was just a nice old lady with longer hair up in curlers and that we found her wandering down the sidewalk. Then, he drops a bombshell on me and says that nobody lives in the house next door, and that the house had been empty for several months. I reassured him that that could not be the case, that we had just helped the old woman inside and the house was furnished. He then told me that, the house was actually condemned due to the state the previous tenant left it in, and that the only old woman that lived there died around half a year ago. I was a bit creeped out by this, but I just told him all right, and we decided to walk away from the situation. After that really confusing exchange, the wife and I actually walked back over to the house. I checked the door. It was locked. When we went to look in the windows, I was honestly horrified. The inside of the house was dark and it looked decrepit. There was trash everywhere, the walls were covered in mold and mildew, and it was rather clear that there was nobody living there at that time, and no one had for a while. So, I'm convinced that my wife and I experienced some sort of paranormal rift that night, or some kind of glitch in the matrix, I guess. I'm honestly not sure. All I know is that my wife and I helped an old lady that apparently never existed into a home that looked lovely and inviting when we saw the inside, and then it turned into a derelict and empty shell of a house. Either way, that was an incredibly terrifying neighborhood warming gift. Back when I was a kid, I used to spend a lot of time at my aunt and uncle's house, mostly because my cousin Martin was literally my best friend. So, pretty much any time we didn't have school the next day, I would ask to stay the night with Martin. We would do the normal things that 10-year-old boys would do, watch movies, play the PlayStation, eat junk food drink way too much soda, and then crash hard around midnight. It was honestly the highlight of my childhood, and I dearly miss those days. Mostly because it was a simpler time, and now I have a two-year-old that likes to keep me up all night because he doesn't want to sleep. That's neither here nor there, though. I remember that this happened one weekend in October probably about a week before Halloween, 
mostly because Marty and I had made a pact to stay up as late as we could watching scary movies. We were ten, and Halloween was the freakiest thing that I have ever seen in my entire life. Should we have been watching those movies at that age? Probably not, but we did. So, about three hours into our creepy movie marathon, I remember that I had to get up to go to the bathroom, and that Marty was half passed out on the couch. I got up, went down the hall to the bathroom to do my business, and while I was going, I started hearing what sounded like a tapping on the window. When I was finished with what I was doing, I stepped over to the window and lifted the blinds to look out in the yard, just to see if there was something there. From what I could see, there wasn't anyone there. The backyard was empty. I was a bit confused, but I was also getting tired, so I just kind of let it go. As I was walking down the hallway and back to the living room, I started hearing that same sound, the tapping sound, this time it was coming from the kitchen, specifically the back door. It honestly sounded like someone was tapping their fingernails on the glass in a quick succession, like a short rhythm. I was a bit scared, but more than that, I was annoyed. Who the hell was in the backyard, and why were they tapping on the back door? I pulled the curtain open on the back door and looked out again, and still nothing. This time, though, I opened the back door and stepped out onto the back deck to see if I could see someone or something. But there still wasn't anyone there. As I was staring out into the backyard, I heard Marty yell for me and ask where I was. I quickly ran back in and shut the door behind me. When I got back to the living room, Marty asked me what I was doing and I told him that I kept hearing something tapping on the window, so I'd gone out back to check for it. He laughed slightly, and told me to stop trying to scare him. I told him that I wasn't trying to scare him, and that I was being dead serious. He shrugged me off, and then said that he was going back to sleep. I decided that I should go ahead and go to sleep as well, so... I pulled up my sleeping bag and turned off the TV. I started to doze off pretty quick, but no sooner than when I actually started to fall asleep, I then heard what sounded like footsteps on the kitchen linoleum. I opened my eyes, but the room was completely dark, and I was freaking out in my head. I wanted to scream. I wanted to wake Marty up and tell him to go get his dad, but they were upstairs and... He was passed out on the couch across the room. I just laid there and kept my eyes on the door that led into the hallway, waiting to see some kind of axe murderer or something like that. What I saw was not an axe murderer, but it was nearly as terrifying. After a few moments of staring and waiting, I saw what looked like a man dressed in all black. I strained my eyes, trying to make out a face, but I think he was wearing a balaclava because I just remember not being able to tell what he looked like at all. I watched as he walked into the room and looked around, walking past where I was lying in my sleeping bag. 
it took my tired mind a few minutes to process that if I could see him, then it was highly likely that he could also see me. I remember just shutting my eyes as tightly as I could and telling myself that it was a dream and that it would be over soon, over and over and over again. I guess after a few minutes, I must have forced myself to sleep because the next thing I remember is waking up to the sunlight coming through the window as the sun was just coming up. At that point, I realized that the whole thing must have been a dream and that I was just freaking myself out after having watched a bunch of scary movies. Being the morning, I did have to pee again, so I undid my sleeping bag and got up to go towards the bathroom. From the hallway, on the way to the bathroom, you could actually see the kitchen, and part of me was saying that I needed to go check. I don't know what it was that was telling me this, It may just have been my curious mind telling me that I wanted to know if it was really a dream, but I felt like I needed to go check. To my surprise, and horror, it wasn't a dream. When I got to the kitchen, I saw the back door wide open, and muddy shoe prints going from the back door into the kitchen, and then into the hallway. It was then that I noticed the prints on the carpet as well, that led into the back living room, where Marty and I were sleeping. I freaked out and I ran to wake up Marty, who then went and got his dad and told him about what had happened. So, to explain the whole situation, and what exactly went down, this was partially my fault. That tapping sound I heard? It was this guy trying to pry off the screen to one of the windows on the rear side of the house. When I went to look out the bathroom window, he was actually just out of my field of view. Then, when I heard it again and went to the back door to look out and see what was going on, I, with the attention span of a ten-year-old boy, forgot to lock the back door because Marty had called for me. Then I went back to the living room to go to sleep, and this guy had apparently realized that the back door was now unlocked, and took full advantage of it. In the end, he stole the PlayStation, my aunt's CD collection, and a few other small things that they owned that were easy to get a hold of. This is probably the most terrifying thing that has ever happened to me, both in my adult life and my childhood. And it's even worse that it was pretty much my fault that it happened like it did. Sure, this guy would have probably gotten in with enough effort, but it's possible that he may have moved on to a different mark when this house proved to be too annoying. It really scares me that this intruder was in the same room as us, and that he easily could have killed us, or abducted us if he wanted to. I'm strangely thankful that he was just looking to rob them. The overall lesson with this story? When you go to bed... Make sure all of your doors and windows are locked. And then, when you've made sure that they are all locked, go back and make sure that they are locked a second time. Just to be absolutely sure. (laughs) 
So this was a collection of horrifying stories that took place in the month of October. Hey, look, we're in October. Hopefully nothing horrifying happens to you. So far, nothing's happened to me, so I'm pretty happy with that because the rest of this year has just been a wash. It's been horrible. It's been just awful, bad, not good, no good, bad, no good. Anyways, not complaining. I love you all, and I am so happy to have you here. Today's been great. Sorry, this year, not today, has been great for the channel. So I'm really, really happy that things are going well. Where am I going with this? I don't know. How y'all doing? Having a great day? Good. If you're really having a great day, hit that thumbs up button and tell me that you like the video in the comments down below with a comment saying, whoopity-doo, I like the video, or something. You don't have to say that. Um, if you're new to the channel, you can also hit that subscribe button. That helps a lot. Thank you very much. If you're not new to the channel and you're a returning subscriber, welcome back. I love return customers, as always. And yeah, if you want to support further, you can hit that join button down below or go to the patreon page which is in the description and for a dollar a month get early access to all my content like this pretty good deal for higher up tiers you get more stuff and all that good jazz do you like jazz anyways i'll talk to you guys later have a fantastic day and until next time sleep well